Can I be honest here? I have spent way too much of my life trying to be liked. We tend to believe that staying likable will make us successful. What if I told you that actually saying no more often to anything that doesn't uplift your highest good and saying yes to all of the things that bring you pleasure and joy is actually the key to success. This is a podcast for daydreamers, rule breakers, and paradigm shifters who are too weird to live, too rare to die. Here, together, we are changing the narrative. We no longer accept the systems that tell us we can't be ourselves and that we can't have everything we've ever dreamed of. In fact, we can, and we already do. Not in spite of who we truly are, but because of who we truly are. Believing this and living into this truth starts with one important question. How do you embody your highest self? This time on The Embodiment Project. I was like looking at myself in the mirror, doing my daily thing, which is AKA talking shit to myself in my head, right? Like, so I'm like looking at the mirror and it's like, you're so fat, you're so ugly. And it's like all these things, I don't even say that stuff to myself anymore, but like the usual stuff. And then I look at myself and I'm like, I said something to myself that my dad used to say to my brother, which is, I can hear you getting fatter. He used to say that to my brother all the time. I know it's so mean, that's a whole nother thing, but I said that one to myself and I'm like, that's not even my dick. Like I was like checking myself, like that's not even my, and I was like, who, who is that voice? And then I said it again, I was like, that's not even, and that's when I could identify that it wasn't even my voice, it wasn't my programming. And I looked at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, these are all your dad and your mom's voices. These are their little critiques, whether they knew. And that was the day I was like, oh my gosh, what am I thinking? Hey y'all, I'm back. (laughs) This is Danelia, your host of The Embodiment Project, season two, dropping today, February 2nd, 2022. Today, in this episode, I welcome Cynthia Alonso, a first-generation Chicana therapist based in Los Angeles, California. Cynthia is a mother of three, an author, and a clinical supervisor for LCSWs in a clinic setting. LCSW stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. In 2021, after realizing she had workplace burnout, Cynthia left healthcare to start her private practice, Rooted in Reflection, LLC. Cynthia created four virtual workshops in the COVID-19 pandemic to address the real-time need for collective healing. From storytelling workshops, shame resiliency trainings, to a 10-hour workshop on reparenting, Cynthia has been honored to create spaces that she has only dreamed of holding. In this episode, we discuss changing the name of shame, how tending to the needs of your inner child leads to nonviolent parenting, developing maturity by honoring our inner teen, and how gender constructs get in the way of our parenting potential. 
I really hope you enjoy this episode. Cynthia is a dear friend and a wonderful leader in our community, and I really hope you will get in contact with her and stay connected. Enjoy this episode. We met at, and it was in your your old, old building. It was so, I remember the pink carpet and I was nervous, but in that moment I had, it's, this is very vulnerable of me to say, but I had a two-year-old, a two-year-old and a three and a half-year-old. So you can imagine and it was right before the pandemic, right? Like a year before, little did we know we would need it so much. And it was nonviolent families, like basically nonviolent parenting, right? And I remember I was in such a defensive place of like, I feel like I need this. I really loved what Latinx parenting was posting. And I'm like, I was resonating with me, but I was very much like, but I don't need nonviolent. Like I'm not violent, right? Like that word, just like shame, like don't say violent. And as we did the work, I was like, <gasps> I grew up in a violent home and I didn't want to call it that. So I was very much in a place of like, I'm open, but I'm resisting. And it's like for me to better my clinical skills, but I needed it really. Like what I found in that is that I needed it. So I was in a place where I remember signing up for it is because I was like standing there one day with my two and a half year old in his high, high chair and my three and a half year old in his booster seat yelling at them at breakfast. Like, why did you spill water again? I can't believe you. And they were just looking at me like, what are we like? What are we supposed to say? Like, what's our role? And I'm just like talking to them like, hello. And it was like in the hands throwing up, like, what am I doing? Like they're two and three and I'm yelling at them, you know? So I did that class. It was so good. You know, if you want to speak to that, the community feeling and really just identifying like the the feelings that were coming up and it was such a beautiful space to to bring up the feelings and I think that's really where I needed to be at that moment yeah yeah I resonate with that a lot I think I was really needing it too um it's interesting how like my approach because as you know I I went with my mom and um I think one of the first things they told us when we went was like you, you think you're here to learn how to parent nonviolently, but really what you're going to learn is how to kind of help your inner child, how to tend to their needs, because that in most cases, that's why we're reacting violently without even really processing it that way. Um, like you, I also was kind of resistant to the idea of, of violence, of like identifying with violence, because unbeknownst to me, I was, I'm a victim of domestic violence, you know, like I, I'm a survivor of domestic violence, I should say. Um, and I never quite like identified with it in that way. I never, I've, I don't even really think I've said that very often, but it's true. Um, you know, my parents were in a very violent relationship when I was growing up and um, being in that class, sitting with her through it really was really transformative for our family, you know, because um, I was able to see my mom as a human being, you know, as somebody who was also learning how to parent and also learning how to deal with stressful situations and still meet the needs of the people that you're responsible for that you brought into this world, you know, and um, I think now more than ever, that message still really is what keeps me going. It's what really inspires me to keep you know, learning with my mom and learning with my daughter and, and also unlearning a lot of the harmful stuff that we've normalized in our family and in our culture. Um, But it's, it's been such a powerful, like foundation to start 
this healing journey, uh, healing all these other things that come up in parenting, but in just in life in general, you know, it's, it's been a really great uh, foundational place for me to identify back to like that experience of our class and just knowing yeah. that we're not alone and we can heal together. Can I share some, something with you? I don't think I've ever shared this. Yes, please. Okay. I, in, in all honesty, I was like triggered when I first saw you and your mom there and it was, and I, and I didn't know how to put my finger on it. Right. Because here I am defensive and like, and I was jealous. I was like, and I remember like, and I liked your mom and I liked you. It was nothing about you two. And, and in that I was already thinking like, they must have this great relationship because both of them are in this class. And another thing is like, I would never ask my mom to take this class with me because I would be mortified and I wouldn't want her to, because she would just make me feel worse. Your mom didn't do that. Your mom was like there, like, and the way that you two were both honest and parallel and, and human beings that were parallel was so beautiful to watch. And like your mom's vulnerability and your compassion, like every week I was like, you know, like, oh, oh. and you guys were doing the work for us almost like for us daughters and moms. And like, as every week went by, I was just like enamored and it helped me put my own name to the feelings, you know? And I remember asking Lizette, who was the facilitator, um, like, I just can't get over you call. Like, I was so mad about them calling it violence, right? Because our own stuff. And she, and, and, and like you, I, my parents, like I was in a violent home. And I remember thinking like, it just meant that my mom didn't care enough about me to do the work. Like, here's your mom doing the work. And that must mean, and it was another opportunity to look at my own inner child. So I just want to say like having you and your mom there was beautiful. And it was so courageous of both of you, but like every week I was like also observing and that's the collective healing too. And just like bravo to both of you to being brave enough to sit in, sit in like uh, those uncomfortable talks together. Thank you for saying that. Um, I feel like I don't give my mom as much credit as I should, because I know that it, mm -hmm. it is very uncommon, you know, to have a parent that's willing to attempt to learn and, and grow and change even, you know, and evolve with us. Um I will, I, and I have, to, I have to give my mom credit because she was doing this work way longer than I have been, you know, mm. like she was going to inner child workshops and stuff when my parents were together. And I didn't that, know that. Yeah. And I, and I think that that was a point, a place of contention for them even, you know, because my mom was trying to evolve and my, my father was not on board with that. And so um, I think seeing her, seeing me like, do these workshops too it's affirming to her that she she kind of like she she kind of like planted those seeds you know yeah yeah and it's beautiful because it's almost like you your inner child led her there again like she got to do it over again I can when you're talking I just picture the generational healing you know and imagine Corey later like you know my mom's been doing this work and like where will she be in that and like my oh it's so beautiful I love that we have that in common, you know, that we were both in that class because I think we were, I was needing, I was needing some guidance. I was, I was needing something to anchor myself to as a parent and I was feeling alone. And so gaining other friends and other community members that were on the same path to wanting to parent differently. And then yeah. being able to welcome my mom and say, Hey mom, like, I want you to help me raise my child. Like, here's how I want to raise my child. This is, this is ideal for us, you know, but but like, let's just aim towards that. <laughs> yeah. 
what was that like for you implementing that work in your personal family life? Yeah, you know, it's been really hard. And it's funny, when you ask me that now, it's almost like and tell me if you resonate with that, but it's almost like it's, I'm here now. So I have to like go back to where it was. But where when I was there, it was so palpable. It was so difficult. But now I'm in a little bit, I'm like more in the like grace period. I mean, I'll get I'll dip right back into some some trouble, I'm sure. But right now I'm in such a beautiful spot. But what it was like was really difficult. Um, Part of it was my ego of like, I'm, I'm a therapist, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like, first of all, it was the shitting of like, I shouldn't, I had postpartum depression, I shouldn't have it. I don't know why I would be immune to some <laughs> illness or, you know, mental state, but I, I thought I should be beyond that. So I kept trying to push beyond it. And so I really remember the inner child part. It was always like, I can't do meditation. I can't do meditation. And when they tapped into the guy, the child, the inner child meditation, we had to draw. And I like, they transported or I transported myself right to my teenage bedroom And there was a part of me, I never left that. Like I was sitting in there in so many moments I was noticing as an adult, like with my parents, like I'm back in this mode of who I am in this, in this family. So the work started coming, like, as I was setting my limits. And I remember some of the hard work was also like my partner, my husband, he wasn't going to go to the classes and he wasn't going to implement the stuff, but it was something really important to me. And I remember like talking with Leslie and Lizette, like, this is really hard because I get motivated. I see you guys in class and then I go home and it's like, okay, but everybody else is not on in your little woo woo class. And so what are we going to do with it? So really the thing was like, I had to just keep doing it. And I have gone, I, I always felt like when I had these big moments, even if I was professional at work, when it was like my stuff, I would crumble. Like it felt, and I write this because in my journal so much, because I felt like it was a trap door. I always felt like an emotional trap door would open. And I don't know how I was going to recover, how long it would take me to stop crying, like how I was going to build myself up. And I hated that feeling. And so I noticed it to do this work with my family. If you want to be really honest, one day, two stories, one day, um, I'm like, it's in the pandemic. I were in this rented house with these hardwood floors that are like creaky. And, and mind you, I had already taken the Latinx parenting class. Like this is like one and a half years later, we're in the pandemic. So it's a whole nother mindset, but my kids are annoying me. I'm working as a healthcare worker at home and I'm like, they're, they're pissing me off and I'm like stomping to their room, but with intention, right? Like stomp, like every stomp better scare you. It better terrify you. It's not what I was meaning, but it was what I subconsciously what I was meaning. And I'm like, and I had been doing that all week. And then that week I was just like in my self-awareness where I go to them and they're terrified. They're doing the thing that I wanted. They're scared. And I looked at them in the eyes and I'm literally like, what are you doing? Like, again, like you look like a bear. I think I, oh, I passed the bathroom and I saw myself in the mirror and like, you're trying to be this big thing. And it was just my inner child. Like you have to go and do this. This is what dad did. And I saw my dad in that moment of like, this is what you do when kids are too much. You like, this is the only way. And it was that stomping that was like programmed. My dad would stomp and his, his stomps would be like, (gasps) it would just stop me, you know? And it would just be waiting for that person to come in. And it was his whole, his whole creating. And I was doing it. I saw it. I was creating violence. I was creating a fear. And it was like intentional. Like you better be really scared when I get there. 
And so in that moment, I just stopped and I was like, I'm not going to hit you. Like, I'm not going to spank you. And I really had to tell myself that. And then another moment, um, like, so I'm already, all of these are like interval moments of where I'm at and like having to, um, be accountable for that, that, that aha moment later. Um, and then one, another moment we're at my parents' house and my dad, you know, my parents love my kids and it was, you know, I'm sure a lot of us feel triggered when we're with our parents. When I see my dad being this like loving male figure to my kids. And to me, he was terrifying to me. He like yelled at my mom all the time, would say the meanest things to her still does to be, to be honest, but like really mean things to us, really critical. He would yell. I mean, he would spank us. I would say beyond, you know, and, and he's just like this tender person and it really would piss me off. And, and yet the adult me would be rational and be like, well, it's good for my kids. But in this moment, I guess him and my kids had this little game and he was like, oh, grandpa bear. And he did this. He looked at me because I was holding my son with this scary face and little me was like <gasps> terrified. Like I just did the moment that you're going to hit me or something. And my kids were laughing because that's not the him that they know. And I was frozen, like, and just like frozen for like a minute that felt forever, you know, but like seeing them and seeing me, I was like, something's wrong here. You know, who he represents to me is different. And that's really when I was like, I have to do the work inside because I'm dysregulated with them. And also with my mom, I was always lashing out at her. I was always like, just being really reactive, reactive. And I, when I say reactive, I mean, I would leave a situation and my body would still be like pulsating and like radiating and, and like, just like a pinball machine. Like you just wind me up and just boo, all the things would go everywhere. And it would take me hours to calm down. And that's like, after I yelled at her. So then after the calm down would be the shaming of like, you're a horrible daughter. If people knew how you talk to your mom, you know, it was just a spiral. And that's when I was like, what is this? Who is this? And, um, yeah, that was the, the really like deep dive into inner child work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really enjoy like hearing your story and seeing these visions of, of you in these moments, because I think mm -hmm. when we're, when we're doing inner child healing work and we're talking about it, it's really easy to get caught up in like, what it looks like to be doing it right <laughs> to be parenting from like not a, a place of violence um but it's hard to see the transformation you know like you mentioned being able to stop yourself and notice like oh shit I'm doing it again oh shit I'm turning into my own ex my own experience with my parents you know because like you said that's kind of all we have to go off of is like what we've seen and how we've, what's been modeled to us. Um, I had a similar experience with Corey where she told, she told me that I was acting like my dad, like she, she doesn't have a close relationship with him, but she identified all the things I told her about that I'm afraid of from my upbringing in me. And she's like, you're doing exactly what you told me you experienced. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I couldn't believe it. Like all this time I've been trying not to be like my mom that I didn't realize my dad's qualities could come Ooh. out as well. You know, like as the mother, the mother archetype, I've been trying to, you know, pick and choose the things that I love that my mom did and, and, you know, pass those on, but try not to pass on the stuff that was toxic or that was harmful. And 
I hadn't realized that I could embody these masculine qualities, you know, and um, it's really opened up a new chapter for us in our relationship because as we know, like, you know, gender is a, is not a binary and we can embody all of these energies, whether they come from your, you know, mother essence or your father essence or your masculine or feminine, like there's all these and a bunch in between that we can embody. And um, mm. it was just such an interesting, you know, ob- observation to see yeah. that connection. Yeah. Can I speak to that too? No, I just say, I just want to jump on that. So again, with like what you're saying, I, it's, it's like these leaps, right? It's like, I don't even know what the next hurdle is because I'm not like anticipating it. I'm just like letting it come. But when I tell you, this is not the me that was, <laughs> was me years ago. And it's like such a beautiful position to be in, to witness it for myself. But like, as you're saying, another big one for me has been gender constructs and blowing that out of the water. Like I'm still processing gender constructs, right? And it's funny because as a social worker, I'm like, yeah, social constructs. I understand that. And it was something that was, and this is me being very vulnerable. So please have grace with me. But like, I was like, yes, we have to uphold these for other people, for LGBTQ, for people who identify that with, 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 you know, and no gender constructs, they oppress everybody. We don't even realize the depths of it. That's another subconscious breakthrough I had to have. Right. And so I was in the mirror And, um, this is actually what helped me like, really, like, it just another level that like took off my subconscious kind of programming. Um, I was like looking at myself in the mirror, doing my daily thing, which is AKA talking shit to myself in my head. Right. Like, so I'm like looking at the mirror and it's like, you're so fat, you're so ugly. And it's like all these things. I don't even say that stuff to myself anymore, but like the usual stuff. And then I look at myself and I'm like, I said something to myself that my dad used to say to my brother, which is, I can hear you getting fatter. He used to say that to my brother all the time. I know it's so mean that that's a whole nother thing. But I said that one to myself and I'm like, that's not even my dick. Like I was like checking myself. Like that's not even my, and I was like, who, who is that voice? And then I said it again. I was like, that's not even, and that's when I could identify that it wasn't even my voice. It wasn't my programming. And I looked at myself and I'm like, oh my God. These are all your dad and your mom's voices. These are their little critiques, whether they knew. And that was the day I was like, oh my gosh, what am I thinking? So in this big revelation, I just told my friend that I realized that, yeah, is I cut my hair off because my dad always was like, fat girl can't have short hair. That was a fat girl, right? And in that day, I was like, looking at myself, I was like, you know what? This fat girl is going to cut her hair. So I cut my hair off. Fast forward. I get, get my hair cut. I want to shave it. I had been thinking about it and I get home and I'm embarrassed. I look too masculine. It's way more than I was ready for. I thought I was ready for it, but now I'm confronting my own programming of like, like this is me being very vulnerable. I, I was wearing like sweatpants and I was wearing my baggy sweatshirt and I had the short hair and I, and I was with my husband holding his hand and I was like, what if they think And then I was like, what if they think what, what if they think what? And it was, I told my husband, like, this is really making me challenge my own. And ever since, oh, and then I was driving away one day and somebody called me a he with my short hair. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care. And then it all made sense. Like you can call me a they, I, 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 and I was like, I'm fine. And then it all made sense. And ever since then, I've been leaning it. And then my husband said something that blew my mind. He said, Cynthia, maybe you are gender fluid. 
maybe you've never explored that part because I I've been doing more inner child stuff so I'm like buying him Hot Wheels cars I'm like don't you love that he's like no it's I was like it's for your inner child he's like Cynthia I think it's for your inner child and I was like no 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 like you know and he's like Cynthia maybe you're now like you know and I've and he's caught me doing a lot of other things he's like it's okay and I'm like I'm really processing my own like prisonhood in gender construct so oh my that's, god mm. that's amazing when you're talking about like buying what you think his inner child needs and it's really yours I feel like that's parenting too right like you're like yeah. don't you want this don't you like this like wouldn't this make you happy and my Corey's like no it sounds like that would make you happy <laughs> like no we're different people and I'm like oh my god yes like we but I think you have to kind of take yourself back there, right? In order to even know what you like, to even remember what you like, what brought you joy, what made you excited. Like, I feel like that's really for me, what's been the most challenging thing is like giving myself the freedom to pick, to choose, you know, because I notice for myself, like, like when I have a lot of options, like I always say, like, if I feel like I don't have options and I feel stuck, then I feel like I don't have any, you know, yeah. but then on the other hand, when I have too many options and I get overwhelmed and I don't know what to pick, you know, so it's like either way it's hard. Um, and I think that really comes from a place of like not having my autonomy needs met my needs for autonomy. Like yes. not all kids have those needs. Some kids are like, tell me what to do. I'll do it. You know, all good. We're good to go. Some the kids that you try to do that with who are not into that, who are like, Nope, you can't tame me. Like that's when you run into issues. And I think that was my issue with my parents and I, like they, they really wanted us to be like, well, you know, rounded and, and, you know, um, just like in the, in the normal constructs of like a successful person, like what it means to be a successful person, like have a good job, have a good pension, you know, have a good retirement fund, but yes. Um, I haven't done that, you know, <laughs> I haven't gone that route and I think it's caused a lot of friction. And so now as I'm raising my own child, I'm trying to give her that freedom and I'm seeing that she doesn't even really want it. She, she does want it, but she does also thrive with a lot of discipline and boundaries and whereas I'm like, just do whatever you want, you know? And she's like, no, like I want to, so we're trying to figure that out. And so that brings me to like the idea of how we're doing this inner child work, but then we're also parenting children and then reparenting oh. ourselves. What has that been like for you? Oh, that has been like the beauty and <laughs> the beast, right? It's been like, it's been like the honey and the best time of my life. And it was the worst of times or the best times. It's been the best because, you know, I never, I, I always think like, I don't think I would have been here without my children. Like, and I, I can't say that because that doesn't mean people who don't have children can't get here. I think for me, I was like skirting, skirting every way to do it besides my childhood. And it's been, it's been a little bit of everything. Um, when so I think for the most part for me is my kids are holding me accountable to what I say. Um, I am opening myself to my inner child to play with them. Like when we were in the pandemic, I took time off work for stress because I was really not okay. And I made a commitment, um, to really play with my children. And I was like, if I don't know how to like, if I'm being like too, 
if I'm getting angry, maybe I'll just play and I'll just like be lost in play. So really I devoted my summer of 2020 to just playing. I would go out there and play with them. I would be a little fairy in the garden. I would plant little fairy gardens with them. Like literally we would just cultivate fairy gardens. And I noticed that that was the work of reparenting. Being in the moment for me was reparenting because my mother was never in the moment because of her own trauma. Um, she never had self-confidence because my dad was always yelling at her. I mean, I didn't even have confidence and really I was doing the work by playing with them and then reflecting later and really, and really honoring who they are and taking what they're saying in the moment as like, as, as the lessons, right? Because, and then I was able to see it in myself, um, and really reparenting myself meant really practicing self-compassion. Like when I say it, I meant like mindfully practicing it because the old me was just mind, like mind numbingly repeating crap. So now I have to be the opposite, which is like mindfully giving myself love. And it was so hard. And, and I kept thinking like, but this feels very selfish, like counterintuitive to fill my cup. And it's not. So then I started to see the work of like, I'm reparenting myself. I'm giving myself kindness first and naturally kindness comes out. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And like, I remember one day my kids were saying these like beautiful things to each other. And I was like, that's me. And the pride of that, you know? And I remember the opposite feeling uh, two years ago where my son, what did he say that I was like, <gasps> you know, me being better, nonviolent. I was doing this, you better get over here. If you don't get over here, that gritted teeth thing. Cause that's better than yelling. That's like pseudo, right? And like one time he was doing that and I was like, oh, oh, what's that? You know, and I felt that energy. So it was really cool to then two years later, hear them saying like, they're very affectionate. They love kissing each other. They love um, hugging. We're always like doing a family hug, the five of us, you know, even his teenage brother, like, so to really see that and what it was, was like allowing myself to let my inner child play with them. That was important because they're seeing the joy in me and then playing with my inner child by myself. Oh, and another thing that I, 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 don't didn't talk about a lot, but I think is equally important is honoring my inner teen with intention. I noticed like when I'm driving, I would get into my inner teen mode. And that was almost like a good thing, a survival thing, because I'm not pissed off at who's like cutting me off because my inner teen doesn't care. She's like slowly, like she's just like, I'll get there when I get there. My song's not over, you know, I'm gonna sit in the driveway till this jam is done. And so allowing my inner teen so when I'm in those joyful moments, like I let memories come back and I'm looking at it in my adult perspective and being like, oh, I was probably joyful. And then somebody misunderstood me. And that's why I lashed out and really being able to reconcile that. But I can only reconcile it when I'm able to embody that feeling again and, and welcome it with fresh eyes. So I noticed that. And in, in that, it's all like, it, it was all just feeling like I don't need to force this. I just need to be more intuition led. and. And in honoring that came my inner child. So, yeah. Wow. Super powerful work. I love that you mentioned mm -hmm. the inner teen. I think our, our teens don't get enough credit, you know, our, our, the way that we treat teens, the way that we see teens, like it, we, they don't get enough, enough of the love and comfort that I think they should have when they're trying to navigate, you know, the push to grow up. Like, I think that's, that's why teens are so angsty, you know, because we, we force them to, a lot of times we force them before they're ready to grow up 
because we were forced to grow up early, you know, or we were taught that you have to, you know, get out there and start making money or whatever. And mm. I feel like a lot of times we, we just need to love on them. <laughs> they just need guidance and love and support yeah. and to know they're not, you know, that they're, they're cared for and that, um, that it is scary to be pushed into adulthood like that. And that exactly what you said, I, I, I didn't think it in those beautiful words, but that is the feeling that I try to honor when, when I'm having a big adult expectation, like we bought this house in the pandemic, more of like being feeling pushed out from this rental place. And nobody wants to feel pushed out when you have children. Like it's such a feeling of like, what are we going to do? So we bought this house. It felt like a huge adult move. You know, I was switching jobs. I was burnt out. My kids were starting a new school in Spanish versus preschool. And I mean, it was a lot. And I remember one day my husband was taking the kids to school and I was already feeling like a tornado. Like it's like, like, like y'all better get out of the house because mom is on one. Right. And I could feel myself. And I said, honey, you need to go early. You need to take the kids out now because I'm feeling big emotions. And he's like, like right now, I was like, yeah, just go take them like to the playground early. And I made them all leave. And instead of doing what I usually did, which was like, you know, ah, like crying in front of my kids and then feeling bad or like saying something rude, I sent them off, kissed them goodbye because I could feel it. And I let my inner teen thrash around the house. I threw myself on the couch crying. I threw pillows. I was like, ah! and I really was like, you're going to cry it out. And they had a tantrum. They threw pillows. They threw my book bag. And after like five minutes, I was like, okay, what is it? And it was that what you said. It's scary to do all these new things. It's still just me in here. And like, I don't know, I've never done this. And at the same time, I was trying to have a distance from my parents to make my own decisions. So it was very much my inner teen in that moment. Like y'all see me as a mom, but really my inner teen is shook right now because there's a lot of things going on. So I let her do her thing. And then I was like, okay, what's coming up? And then she just told me, Hey, that was a lot for me. I was like, Okay. And then my loving inner mother, you know, was able, myself was able to say, okay, so it's too much. What do we, what are we doing right now? What are we doing today? Oh, oh, well today we're okay. See, so, and I was able to bring her from like this huge teenage tantrum, instead of saying like, stop doing that, which is what I usually do to her to just like create the space for her to like be herself and then ask her and then soothe her. So once I did that, I've been doing that more. And I was like, Oh, Oh girl, why don't you tell me? And it's like, they've been telling us, but we run away because it's just these big, scary emotions that people don't want to see. So. Yep. I totally feel that. And I think, Mm. yeah, it's, it's like something about expressing authentic emotion makes people uncomfortable. And so we've had to turn it off, keep it down, suppress it, suppress it until these big moments come up when we are having big feelings and they want to be let out. And then we feel, then we go down that spiral, right. Of the shame of the guilt of like, Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like, how can, how can I be acting like this in front of my kids or, you know, around my partner or whatever. And yeah, a lot of times I think it's just, we're still trying to get our needs met, you know? And if we, if we continue to not get them met, we continue to try to find something that will. And um, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that and giving us these like really real life examples of what that could look like, you know, mm-hmm. and because it is healthy what you're doing, like the way that you're communicating with your family and creating space for you to, like you said, embody those, that feeling of what it feels like to be that upset that you have to lash out somehow, you know, in a safe way, in a, in a protected space, that's important and that's healing. So thank you for sharing that. 
Um, so I want to move on to our last segment where sure. we are going to do a rapid fire round of questions that I've prepared for you. This is to in, engage our inner children to allow us to have some fun Ooh. to get out of our heads a little bit. You know, we tend to go really deep, uh, which is what I love about this podcast is that we can go really deep. But I also want to remind us to be playful and to have fun and to experience joy. So um, I'm going to set a timer for one minute. And I'm going to try to get as many questions in as we can. Ooh, okay. So I want to encourage you, Cynthia, to um, take a couple deep breaths. Try to like clear your mind of anything mm. you're holding, any physical discomfort. Just kind of like relax your body. Let yourself okay. drop in. And this is about having fun. And also just letting your truth fly. So whatever comes to your mind first, you just let us know. And then we're going to move on to the next question. Okay. Okay. All right. So here we go. All right. Who is your favorite nineties hip hop artist? Ooh. Um, oh, uh, try pull quest. <laughs> uh, if you could be any animal, what would you be? Ooh, uh, a whale. Ooh. Um, what out of all the characters of Encanto, which one do you identify with the most? Oh, you know, I'm going to say Tia <laughs> or, Peppa. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say one more than one. Yeah. Tia Peppa and Mirabel. Okay. Yeah. Um, what pop culture archetype or icon do you identify with the most? Ooh. I really like Frida. I always come back. I hate to sound cliche, but I love Frida. No, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and um what's your favorite podcast Ooh, uh i don't really listen to any more right now i want to say super soul but that's generic i <laughs> no that's good that's good all right that was it awesome i wish i had more time for podcasts i need podcasts yeah. i miss my drive to work where i used to have the podcasts and stuff yeah yeah, yeah i don't do that Okay. And then the last question that I ask every guest on the podcast is how do you embody your highest self? Ooh. I embody my highest self um, with compassion. When, when you see me, like when you see me vulnerable, that's my highest self. I feel like I've always been vulnerable and I, I always was like turned away for it. And like, in my head about it. Oh, why did I do that? Why am I so vulnerable? And now my vulnerability is my highest self thinking from a place of like collective compassion, collective, you know, uh, goodness. And like, to me, I'm making my best creative decisions, my most like inclusive, everybody, you know, should have access to this information, this joy. So that's when I'm in my highest self is when I'm vulnerable. Yes. I love that. I think mm -hmm. there is so much power in vulnerability and it's kind of like being vulnerable is kind of like sending out um, a light, like a lighthouse, you know, like it's it allows other people to see our 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 wounds, but also our um, accomplishments, like the way that we've overcome, you know, harm and trauma. And um, it gives us a chance to connect to other people that we might have something in common with. So. I think it's beautiful. And I really appreciate you being vulnerable with us here and letting us get to know you better. And um, would you like to share how people can get in touch with you? And if you have any upcoming offerings that you want to share? 
Sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is my first podcast and I'm so excited that it's with you. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. It's cool. It's like bringing it back, you know? Um, yes, you can find me on wellmama underscore LB. I, um, I'm having some workshops. I'm in the middle of two really great reparenting workshops, but I'm going to offer them again. I have a six week reparenting workshop. I also have of shame and vulnerability workshop and um, a storytellers workshop that will be coming and a self-compassion. Um, I mix uh, CRT. So everything is really uh, from a decolonized therapy standpoint. So know that up front, that's what you're getting, but it's, you know, really history and mental health and really seeing ourselves in it. I also have an Etsy store and a journal that you can find on my Etsy shop and on Amazon buy off Etsy if you can. Um, and you can find that link in my bio off of uh, my Instagram. So thank you for letting me put that. Of course. Thank you. And do you want to, um, for people who are listening, sh- oh, describe yeah. what you're wearing and where oh, we can get you. one? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wearing, and uh, I'm wearing my motherhood sweater. It's the Wu-Tang logo, but it flips upside down. And this actually really means a lot to me because I really feel, I didn't realize it then, right. We don't know when we're doing the work sometimes, but like, this was the beginning of my journey. And now I wear it as a badge because I remember like being in a postpartum funk and thinking of this idea and my husband's best friend who he's pretty big at creative flow arts, Juan in Long Beach. Um, he was like, that's a great idea. And he did the logo for, I was like, we were having media tacos one day and I was like, I really have this idea. So he like printed the logo and sent it to me. And I was like, he's like some, make some shirts. And I was like, no, like, so it was this one thing that he told me, like, it's a good idea. You have good ideas. And it put me on, but it's interesting to me that this was like, it was saying so much more. So it says motherhood ain't nothing to fuck with like Wu-Tang Clan, but it's motherhood ain't nothing to fuck with. And now I'm like, I was saying that through my postpartum funk and I feel like I've come around to it. And this was like the beginning. So, so beautiful. I I wear it with a badge of honor too. Whenever I wear my shirt or my sweatshirt, like, I'm just like, if you know, you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And it means all of it. It means Mm -hmm. like every perspective, the child's perspective, the the me, it's like all of it. So when I think about it now, I'm like, this started all of it, just betting on myself, just like, listening to my friends encouraging encouragement so yeah yeah, so it's just it's full circle thank you so much and you've always supported like any ideas I have and just like meeting other other like-minded like people of goodness that want to just be more of authentically themselves like even things that you post have you know been uh, an interval of something that has encouraged me to do something else like seeing you with your hula hoops and in your joy is just like another Mm -hmm. thing that's like see, this is good. It's like, people are gravitating to your joy. Oh, I feel the same way about you. I feel like you are just magnetizing everyone that is really wanting to learn from you because you're embodying your work, you're embodying your healing. And that's what I think that's what like, we're really being called to do right now, you know, is like anyone that's on a healing journey, like keep healing and, and, and share it, share the, the trials and the tribulations, you know, share the good and the bad, because it's not easy. And it's not pretty all the time, you know, it's actually very dark and very difficult. But um, when we do it together, you know, and when we share and identify where we are more alike than, than anything else, you know, we're, we're different in so many ways. But at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of us just want to love and be loved, you know, and um, once we strip away all the 
you know, the other stuff we, and we see that in each other, it's what really brings us closer together. So thank you for showing us that and, and embodying that and sharing. And um, yeah, I look forward to continuing to see how your work evolves and and your life and your, your livelihood. Same to you. It's so nice to be in space with you again. Yeah. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all, that's it for today. If you are enjoying the Embodiment Project, please help us keep our five-star rating by going to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Let me know what is speaking to your heart. What are you taking from this episode? If you want to connect with me, feel free to follow me on Instagram at the multidimensional mommy. Mommy is spelled M-A-M-I. If you want to learn more about my workshops, classes, courses, music, feel free to go to my website at www.daneliaarechiga.com. See you next time.